0: So you have a generation growing up with lower self-esteem that doesn't have the coping mechanisms to deal with stress. Right? Now you add in the sense of impatience. Right? They've grown up in a world of instant gratification. You want to buy something, you go on Amazon, it arrives the next day. You want to watch a movie, log on and watch a movie. You don't check movie times. You want to watch a TV show, binge. You don't even have to wait week to week to week. Right? I know people who skip seasons just so they can binge at the end of the season. right? <laughs> Instant gratification. You want to go on a date? You don't even have to learn how to be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to learn and practice that skill. You don't have to be the uncomfortable one who says yes when you mean no, and says no when you mean no, and yes when you, you don't have to swipe right. Bang, I'm a stud. <laughs> right? You don't even have to learn the social coping mechanisms, right? Everything you want, you can have instantaneously. Everything you want, instant gratification. Except job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. They are slow, meandering, uncomfortable, messy processes. And so I keep meeting these wonderful, fantastic, idealistic, hardworking, smart kids. They've just graduated school. They're in their entry level job. I sit down with them and I go, how's it going? They go, I think I'm going to quit. I'm like, why? They're like, I'm not making an impact. I'm like, you've been here eight months, (laughs) you know? It's as if they're standing at the foot of a mountain, and they have this abstract concept called impact that they want to have in the world, which is the summit. What they don't see is the mountain. I don't care if you go up the mountain quickly or slowly, but there's still a mountain. And so what this young generation needs to learn is patience, that some things that really, really matter, like love or job fulfillment, joy, love of life, self-confidence, a skill set, any of these things, all of these things take time. Sometimes you can expedite pieces of it, but the overall journey is arduous and long and difficult. And if you don't ask for help and learn that skill set, you will fall off the mountain or you will... The worst-case scenario, the worst-case scenario, and we're already seeing it, the worst-case scenario is we're seeing an increase in suicide rates, we're seeing an increase in this generation we're seeing an increase in accidental deaths due to drug overdoses we're seeing more and more kids drop out of school or take leaves of absence due to depression unheard of these are all this is this is really bad the best case scenario the best those are all bad cases right the best case scenario is you'll have an entire population growing up and going through life and just never really finding joy they'll never really find deep deep fulfillment in work or in life they'll just waft through life, and it'll be just, it's fine. How, how, how's your job? It's fine. You're the same as yesterday. How's your relationship? It's fine. Like, that's, that's the best case scenario.
1: Well, good morning. My name's Pastor Chris. It's great to see everybody this morning. Uh, the, when we first started Parentology, I uh, talked about how we were, I was going to uh, grandson, so today, gonna introduce you to my grandson, Kale. So today, I'm going to introduce you to my grandson, Kale. This is Kale, and uh, he has, uh, he's six years old. He has an incredible smile, as you can see. Um, he lights up a room when he comes into a room, and he is very loving. So wherever he goes, uh, when he comes into the room, if you're in the room, he will run up to you and give you some kind of a hug. He'll let you know that you are really special. And then when you say goodbye, if there's 20 people in the room, he will say goodbye to 20 different people in the room. He'll go all around the room and give them hugs, and, and, and he is incredible. He is, uh, yes, he is in the top one percent of the cutest human beings on the face of the earth. Um, He's really, he's really exceptional. He's really exceptional. But if you've noticed, you might also ask yourself, but is he also not an exception? You see, we've been working through parentology, and we started with, he's exceptional. Why is he exceptional? Because he's my grandson? I might think that, but that's not why. It's because he's been created by God. God has a purpose for this young man's life. He has a reason for him to exist. There's amazing things that God either wants to do in kale or he wants to do in other people's lives through kale. It's because he's been created by God. And so, if, he, if he's exceptional, then there's exceptional, like, the standards would be high. We would ex- expect that, and we talked about being this tool in God's hands to be able to, to bring out the diamond that is inside of kale, and, and yet we're like, wait, 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 but doesn't that turn us into people that just have these high expectations and high-driven, and, and we talked about the wall and, and how the fact that, no, no, on the relationship side, there's, there's this amazing freedom, and, you, and you're... you're you're in touch with, and you're you're sharing love with, and and you're communicating with, and, and there's this incredible uh, freedom. But on the other side, there's character. We're going to build character. We're going to do drills, and and we talked about that that led us to this idea of 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 having structure. Where consistently in their lives, there's always the structure. Somebody came up with the word framework. In their lives where they, already, they know what's expected of them. They know uh, what the consequences are. If they don't meet that expectation, they know what the, what the rewards are. When they do meet that, that, and the whole entire time they know that the person who's interacting with their lives, who's trying to build the character in their lives, they know they can be trusted, that they're doing it because they love them. It's what's best for them. And then last week we talked about how do you... He helps someone build into their lives to be a res- someone who respects other people. It's so important. And we found out you do it by building humility into their lives. But is Kale an exception? Because Kale has Down syndrome. He's not like his brothers. He will most likely never go to college he will most likely never get married and never have children. He'll most likely live with his parents for most or all of his life. So if he has some things going against him, and sometimes in our world we're like, oh no, Down syndrome, and it's special, and and he's really special, and it's not really, you're not dealing with reality when you do that. Not. In reality, no, there's some things going against him that will keep him from doing that. So this morning, I know that you live in a world that has taught you that what you need to do is find out what kind of a child you have, and then parent according to what kind of a child you have. You may not have noticed this, because you may not be an observer, but if you were an observer, you would come to this conclusion. Whatever we've come up with parenting in this world, and the way we parent in this world, it's super complicated. In other churches, they say amen. We say yep, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> Please don't start saying amen. Amen. In other words, it, it, it's as clear as clear can be. There used to be two parents that could raise 10 children. And they actually didn't think parenting was complicated and it wasn't that big a deal. It's what you did. They didn't show up for church every week going, I can't believe I got 10 kids. What am I going to do with 10 kids? It's so complicated. But now it's complicated. It's complicated. That complication might de- might have a little bit to do with what we're going to talk about today. And the question is, well, you know, I understand all that parenting stuff. That's really cool, but my child has been diagnosed, or my child has been classified, or my child has been. So isn't he? He's the exception, right? Like, we have to do it differently, right? And I just want to teach you one very simple lesson this morning. That is, I'm going to say it right at the beginning because I want to say it over and over again to make sure I, actually to make sure I don't get off on track. You want to be able to teach your children, they have a choice. In every situation, they have a choice. With whatever comes at them, they have a choice. No matter what happens to them or in what ways that they're different than other people, they have a choice. You have a choice to either do what God says is right and good, or you have a choice to go your own way, to go sin's way. And no one can take that choice away from you. You can give it away. You can pretend it's not there, but no one can take that choice away from you. In the very beginning of mankind, in the very beginning of human relationships, Cain had a fight with his brother. It was actually a fight with God, but he turned it into a fight with his brother. And They both brought offerings, and, and God accepted one offering, and he didn't accept the other offering. You're like, oh, man, God's so mean. Cain knew exactly what he was supposed to do. And the reason I know that is because uh, we're going to pop back up, guys, to the, to the passage. Um, the reason I know that is, by the way, would you please give a hand to our uh, tech team sheet? I said something in the notes that was way down there. She caught it and went to that spot in the notes. That was impressive. Really impressive. Really good job. It says, uh, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? So, so what happens is God says, no, I'm, I don't accept that. I accept his. And, and he, he says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you're a parent, this is classic. Why, what's the matter? How come you got a sad face? How comes you pouting? What's going on? He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? It's, a, it, it's an answer that has the question, yes. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. you got a choice. Sin's right there. It's just waiting. It just wants you to take that path. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. In every situation, you have a choice. In every situation, your child has a choice. Whether he has Down syndrome or not doesn't take away that choice. Each child is unique to some degree. But the sameness shared by all far outweighs their differences. A guy named John Roseman said that. and uh, He wrote a book called uh, Parenting by the Book. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Did, did you catch that? Each child is unique in some degree. That's true. Our kids are really different. But the sameness shared by all children far outweighs the difference. There are some core things that they are the same. And the where they're the same is this. They have a sin nature. And they have a spirit they have a choice whether or not they're going to do it God's way or whether or not they're going to do it their way. From the time they're very young, they begin to make this choice. And as parents, we do great service to them. The, one of the greatest things we can do for them is to help them to understand they have this choice. They're facing that choice all throughout their lives Next it says, uh, another passage. Actually, all through the Bible, uh, God talks about this. He, he talks about it with Moses. He talks about the people with the people of Israel. He, he talks about it in the book of Proverbs. He talks about it with Jesus. Um, one of the things he, he says in the book of Proverbs, and then it's re-said in the New Testament, is this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man sows, a man reaps what he sows. What do you mean? You have a choice. And no matter what happens in in, in each situation, you have a chance at that point, at that moment, to sow something which will reap something later. And when we think we are exceptions, and when we think our child is an exception, and we think, no, 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 that principle doesn't really apply to this situation, because look at all these bad things that have happened to him. Look, he doesn't have a dad or she doesn't have a dad or, or, or these things happen to them or look what they've been through or, or look, at what, look what they have going against them. This, this doesn't really apply in this situation. It's a, we're exception, right? No. No. This principle applies to your child. And when they learn that it applies to their child, They're way ahead of the game. It allows them to grow and learn because they can go, okay, I sowed this last time, and this is what I got. I don't want to sow that anymore. Why? Because I don't like what I'm reaping. Oh, I sowed this last time. This is what I got. I like that. I want to sow some more of that. That's the direction that I want to go in. Animals can be trained to do many things. You simply punish on one side and you reward on the other side. Why did I put that in there? Because oftentimes we as parents think what we're trying to do is get our kids to be able to succeed in the moment. We're trying to get them to do their homework. We're trying to get them uh, to get good grades. We're trying to get them to do well at sports. We're we're trying to get them to succeed. We want them to be able to succeed. And you grow up in a, you're parenting in a culture that has put all this this emphasis on on self-image. So you want them to feel good while they're doing it. You want them to feel really, really good about themselves while they're doing it. And you're focused, which makes it really complicated. Have you ever felt really good about something that's hard? Not usually. It feels really hard. And with an animal, you just train them. And if you've ever been, I know most of you haven't, but if you've ever been around animals very much, what you do is you train them. You can train them to do almost anything. That's what a circus is. And what you do is you punish them if they don't do what you want and you give them a reward if you do what they want. And eventually they'll do that every time. They'll do it every time, every time, every time. They, they just get trained, that's what they do. They're animals. Human beings don't do that. Human beings don't do that at all. Drugs you you crazy. You think you figured it out. We do this with our child and then he, then he reacts the right way. Hey, we got it, you're ready to write a book. This is how you parent, right? <laughs> and a month later... The child decides, I'm not doing it anymore. So you up the punishment. You're like, I don't care. I'm not doing it. Why? Because they have a choice. Human beings are not animals. You You don't train a child the same way you train an animal because when you train an animal, you're actually after the outcome. That's what you're after. When you raise a child, you're after them developing the ability to make choices and understand that in every situation, they've got a choice to make. What are the choices? Well, I'm actually going to hit some quick ones here. One, I will choose God's definition of success over the world. You want your children to be able to, to choose God's definition of success over the world. What's God's definition of success? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love others the same way you love yourself. It's kind of funny. It's upside down in our world. Our world says, love yourself so you can love other people. That's, not, that's opposite of the Bible. The Bible says, yeah, you already love yourself. Don't worry about that. You don't need to work on that. You already do. Love others the way that you love yourself. What kind of a difference does it make in your child's life when they hit something that's hard or they have to deal with something that's hard and they look like a failure because exceptions can make you look like a failure, right? See, what Kale is going to have to deal with, and he's already started to deal with it. He's already started to notice I'm different than the other kids. And when when it comes time where he likes girls but they don't like him because he has downs. How's he going to measure success? If he measures his success the way the world does it's going to be devastating. We want to be able to teach him one, Kale, you have a choice about how you're going to deal with this. And and you're gonna either gonna deal with this God's way, which points to the fact that you can be an incredible success, whether or not you have down syndrome or not. Because it's based on faithfulness and compassion, a lot of really cool stuff that Kale is. It's not based on who likes you. I will define myself by the way I react to the hand I am dealt. I will define myself by the way I react to the hand I am dealt, not by the size or value of the hand I am dealt. I'm not sure I worded that great, but if you need to in your notes, reword it. You get the idea, though, right? That's why someone can be, can be born here in Bloomfield, go to the best schools, go to Yale or go to Harvard, and then go to work for Goldman Sachs, and literally make tons of money and go wait 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 wait. the issue is not how much I have or much how much I've accomplished the issue is what am I dealing with with what I've been handed and somebody who's born in sub-Saharan Africa specifically a lady who will never own a thing ever in her entire life but she has a choice to take that hand and either respond God's way or respond sin's way. One leads to life. The other leads to destruction. I will make a lot of mistakes and sinful decisions, but I will accept the consequences or penalty, whether they're fair or not. Most consequences don't seem quite fair. The punishment doesn't seem to fit what I've done wrong. You have a choice. To accept that, go God's way with it, or go a different way. In every situation, I have a choice to make. No one can take that away. No one can take away my choice, my ability to respond. I can only give it away. So, how do you do this with your kids? We're going to do three simple, really simple things today. One, make sure that your kids paddle their own canoe. In our family, you're going to paddle your own canoe. What does that mean? It means that your job is to get your homework done. That's not my job. It's actually your job to make sure you get your homework done and you take it to school with you. That's your job. That's not my job. You're going to paddle your own canoe. It's your job to get a job. And I'm not going to jump into the middle of that and paddle that canoe for you. Number two, fight your own battles. Fight your own battles. Friends, uh, there's a... Take that back, that's for the next one. Fight your own battles. When you have a bad teacher, are your children going to have one bad teacher? Yes! Are they gonna have a really bad boss? Yes! How do you prepare them for the really bad boss when they go through it with the really bad teacher? Or the bad coach. Instead of jumping in and fighting the battle for them, they're going to fight their own battles. You may help them. You may give them tools to do that. You may give them tools to paddle their own canoe. Cale needs different tools than his brother needs to be able to do what he does. But he doesn't need his parents to jump in and do it for him and paddle for him. They just need to be able to give him different tools to be able to paddle that canoe or to fight his own battles. Do you know that Down syndrome is not his parents' battle to fight and it's not his grandparents' battle to fight? It's his battle to fight. He needs to be taught how and set free. that. Listen, it's his choice what he's going to do with this, God's way or a different way. And then lie in the bed you make. Lie in the bed you make, friends is a big one. Um, i told you this before. My daughter Alicia did not have friends until she was in eighth grade. And she would come home crying, I have no friends, I have no friends, I have no friends. Have you been friendly? No. Well, then you're not going to have friends. That's all there is to it. Well, we need to make sure she has friends, and we need to do this, and we need to set this up. We need to have this party. No. No, she needs to lie in the bed that she makes. Lori's going to come out and share a little bit more about this, and uh, we're going to keep working on this idea that, hey, you have, they have a choice in every situation. How do we help them?
2: Chris, I cannot yourself? believe you did this. You did not remind me to set my alarm. I almost didn't make it over here in time because you did not help me set my alarm. <laughs> do you believe he did that? Oh, Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry, honey. I lie in the bed I make if I would have missed it. I didn't set my alarm. It's not his responsibility to set my alarm. It's mine. I guess my parents must not have taught me that. (laughs) Actually, they did. It's my fault. I remember when my son Christopher was three, he would sit at the dinner table and we had this rule in our house, you had to eat three bites, at least three bites of everything, whether you thought you liked it or not. And he would sit at the table for hours. I mean hours, because he was not going to eat those three bites until you brought out dessert. And at Grandma High's, she always had the most delicious desserts. And at the farm, you always had dessert. I mean, you always, always, always had some kind of dessert. And sometimes it went in a little late because she came, came in. I mean, she worked out on the farm, and then she'd come in from the farm, and she would bake the dessert then. And it might not be it might not come out right away. So you might have dessert after you ate, and then you would go out on the farm and work a little bit, and then you'd come back in. So it could be hours, and I would have to sit there with him sometimes for hours because he was not leaving that table until he ate those three bites. And something, one thing you have to know about me and about my husband is that we are very stubborn. And if you've met our children they were born with this weird thing in them that they were very strong-willed. And we had two in particular, Christopher and Alicia, who were very, very, very strong-willed. And so he would sit at ours, and when dessert came out, something happened to him, he would begin to melt. And he would smell that dessert. And he would do anything for that dessert. And so he would eat those three bites, As soon as everybody else started eating that dessert, he would cave in for that dessert. There was something there that he would do. But if we didn't stand there and say, no, you're not going to get that dessert until you eat those three bites, he would have won. You have to be consistent with your consequences. Otherwise, someday his boss is going to tell him to do something, and he says, I don't want to do it. He's going to lose his job because I didn't stay consistent with those 3 bites. And do you think it didn't hurt me to sit there for those 3 hours? I could have been doing all kinds of things. That's one example. I I had when I was in nursing school I had this story of a lady who had a child with rheumatoid arthritis. And I can really relate to this now because I have arthritis and I know how bad your bones hurt in the morning and how you got to get moving and sometimes it takes hours to get moving and her daughter would wake up in pain in the morning she'd be crying in the morning and her mom would be out there fixing breakfast and her mom would say it's time for breakfast and her little girl would be in there crying I can't mom I hurt and mom would say, no, you got to come out here and you got to eat breakfast. Can you come help me, Mom? No. you got to come out here and eat breakfast. And do you know her, her daughter had to crawl out there to eat breakfast? And you'd say, oh, that's so mean. But a nursing, the nursing school teacher told me, she said, you know, her daughter came to nursing school. And I was her nursing school instructor. You know why she got to nursing school? Because her mom made her crawl to breakfast. Her bones didn't harden up like everybody else with rheumatoid arthritis. Her joints had to move. Because her mom cried while she was fixing breakfast because her newer daughter had to crawl to breakfast. Her bones didn't harden up like other kids with rheumatoid arthritis. Because she made her move. If her mom would have made her, wouldn't have made her crawl to breakfast, she couldn't have came to nursing school. What are the consequences of you not making your child do what they need to do? Because you're not willing to do what you need to do in their life. There's consequences to their actions, and there's consequences to our actions for not doing what's right. What's the Lord telling you to do in your children's life? Because you won't do the hard things. There's a book called the Bible that says, discipline our children so that they can have the life that they were meant to have. And it's hard. But it's what's best. God disciplines us because it's what's best for us, not because he's mean. Do what's right for our children and you because you want them to have the life like no other.
1: Uh, we're going to watch a video. Actually, for some of you, you've seen it before, but I want you to watch it from a different light this time. So... Uh, we want them to be able to um, paddle their own canoe, and we may have to give them special tools to be able to do that, but it's their canoe to paddle. We want them to be able to fight their own battles. Now, it may take, there may be a lot of pain with it, and it may take a lot longer. There may, they, may have to, may, they may have to work harder than anybody else they know. But instead of it being an exception where we don't apply this to them, instead, no, no, no. There may be porn, it may have, I mean pain, and it may work a lot harder. And number three, lie in the bed you made, which means it's probably going to take a lot longer. It, it may take them a long time, because as you know, uh, we will lie in our own bed for a long time before we actually wake up and see that, see that change. This next young man, you would definitely expect that he would be an exception and that his parents would make exceptions for him because of what he was facing. Watch how, the, how they parented him. As you watch this video, kind of catch how they parented and handled his situation.
3: How do you get through your debt? make it from one place to another, one task to the next. How do you do it?
4: Every step of the way in life, there have been people that said that I can't do things, said that I couldn't ride a bicycle. There have been people that said that I couldn't live on my own, couldn't get a good job and support myself, or I couldn't go to college and graduate. I don't listen too much to people when they tell me I can't do something. There's not a whole lot that's going to stand in my way. There were a lot of people that when I first started at Hendrick Motorsports, they had no idea what I could do and what I was going to do there. I have some guys that I'm good friends with now, and they told me that when they heard I was coming and when I first got there, their biggest thing was, what is he going to do?
3: Hendrick Motorsports is the most winning organization in NASCAR, from Jimmy Johnson to Jeff Gordon to Dale Earnhardt Jr. For any engineer drawn to racing, it's the elite destination.
4: We need to add a little clearance there for Will. All right.
3: For Richie Parker, it's been the job for the last eight years. As a vehicle engineer at Hendrick, Parker designs chassis and body components for all four of its race teams and does all his design work the way he does most everything, with his feet.
4: It's very demanding. When we have somebody like Chad Knauss that comes back from the racetrack and he says he needs something next week that's gonna help him win a race, then no is never the answer.
3: Richie Parker was born in May 1983 in the coastal town of Beaufort, South Carolina. Right away, his parents knew something was wrong. He
5: said that there was a little issue, a complication that, uh, with the baby, and I said, what? And, and naturally, we, I think he moved me a little to the side and said the baby did not have arms. And I just was sort of dumbfounded, like, what do you mean?
3: Doctors told the Parkers the abnormality was the result of a non-genetic birth defect, creating bilateral amelia, a limb deficiency.
2: I'm thinking, how are we gonna get through this? How would he eat? How would he open doors? How would he do just the normal day-to-day things? Once I saw Richie, there was no question after that.
5: He was the cutest baby, you know, he was the cutest. Little boy. After about five minutes, it was when can I take my kid home? Just give him a kid.
2: We wanted his childhood to be as close to any other child's childhood as possible. That's always been our attitude. We are going to make it work. We might just do it differently, but it will work.
4: We put this on the door, and I can grab onto it like this with my shoulder and pull it out. There were always things around the house that made it so that I didn't need to ask somebody else for help to do it, and that was, that was always important to me. I had two parents that from day one tried to make it so that my life was, I guess you could say, as normal as possible, whatever normal is. This came off a larger bike, somewhat like a beach cruiser.
5: The other kids in the neighborhood had a bike. Well, Rich is gonna ride a bike and we understood some of the dangers. We got long handlebars and bent it up and then bent it out, and we welded a bar across from one handlebar to the other. And after that, he rode the bike with us, kissing him,
3: and he was just a kid riding his bike. As a teenager, Richie's sense of independence found its sharpest focus
4: In cars. I always wanted to drive. I was told by a few different people, well if there's a bus in your area or if there are taxi cabs, then that's all you need to do. You just use that as your transportation, but that just, That, that just wasn't me. When he was 15, Richie
3: spotted his dream car, a 1964 Chevy Impala SS. Harker's convinced the owner to sell it. 15 years later, it's still Richie's ride. If the
5: bicycle gave him a certain degree of freedom, the car, I think, gave him a greater amount of independence and pride. When he's in that car, everybody's on the same level.
3: In truth, Richie's entire life has been one remarkable study in engineering.
5: We thank you for the food. We thank you for the hands prepared, and after the use for the nourishment of our bodies. Amen. Amen.
4: i might go both day.
3: Nearly every task requires ingenuity.
4: I can't say there's anything that I can't do. I don't. I don't know that there's a whole lot in life period that I I could say that I can't do. Just things that I haven't done yet.
3: That attitude carried Richie to his current job at Hendrick.
1: I think I had about 20 resumes that I went through before I settled on Richie's. I knew he could do the things that I needed him to do. It was more a question of how.
4: We've got a few updates that we're making to this fixture to make some of the parts more durable and uh, more adjustable than it is currently. We sat down and
1: he showed me how he works on the computer and how he does his design work. I write with my right hand, you write with your left hand. He happens to write with his feet.
3: Parker's initial internship with Hendrick was supposed to last 10 months. Eight years and five championships later, he's still here. How do you get through your day? Make it from one place to another, one task to the next? Don't ask Richie Parker. He's already moving on down the road.
4: I'm just never satisfied. It's what drives me. I don't know where it comes from. Sometimes it kind of drives me crazy, but it's how I live my life.
1: Did you see how they made sure he paddled his own canoe? Did you see all the different tools that they created, or actually he then had to create himself so that he could paddle his own canoe? In your life, let me go next two and then we'll come back to that. He had to fight his own battles. They didn't go get him a job all the different places that he had to fight his own battles can you imagine what it was like to have your child get on that bike and know that when he falls he's got no arms the only thing that can stop him is his face and he, he's a kid he's going to fall pain do you think he had to work harder so was the working harder and being different did it, did it become something he was embarrassed of or true pride not evil pride the real wait a minute I, I have self confidence do anything instead of looking at other people and going man it's not fair look what they can do and what I don't get to do he literally drives down the road and goes I bet those people can barely do anything Compared to what I can do, not a pride. I'm better than them. Just reality. A lot of pain. It takes a lot longer. How long do you, you know how long it takes you to feed your, learn how to teach your kids to eat? Right. You imagine how long it took them to teach him to be able to do that, where he puts it on a spoon, then he puts it up on there, and then he flips it around. I didn't ask them. I bet they didn't wait until he was 15 to teach him that. It's awesome. At the core of this, they taught him, you have a choice. Your disability doesn't take away your choice. You, You get to either do it God's way or go the other way. So how about you in your life? Do you understand and do you see it that in every situation you're in, and some of you are going through some tough situations right now, and you're tempted to play the victim and to blame. Matter of fact, you've run the story through your head a hundred times, and every time it's the other person's fault, and the result, not that it's not the other person's fault, but the result is there's nothing you can do about it. It's all, I mean, you're a victim. And when you tell your friends the story, they all go, yeah, they don't use the word victim, but they're like, Yeah, oh, yeah, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what, That's a tough spot, I don't know. Excusing and pouting and paralyzed. Or do you realize that in every situation, God comes up beside you and says, there's a way out. Follow me. There's a way out. Choose to do what I say is good, Or sin is crouching at the door. It wants you. you got to choose me. Maybe you do it about parenting. Maybe every time you hear something about parenting, your, your first response inside your heart is, yeah, but. You have exceptions. You have reasons. You have, that's too hard. I got started too late. You've got all these things that say, I'm the exception, right? This doesn't really apply to me, right? Jesus invites you to be Mr. Parker today. And maybe you don't have arms. That doesn't have anything to do with it.